Hello, and welcome to the Asimov Cast, short bursts of joy, thoughtfulness, and inspiration from the works of Isaac Asimov. I'm Lozzie. Follow the show on Twitter, Blue Sky, and Instagram at AsimovCast, or email to AsimovCast at gmail.com. This week, during the off-season, I'm delighted to be again joined by my friend and fellow Fangbangers co-host, Melissa! Hello! Thank she's, you for having me again. She's shooting finger guns because <laughs> for, because we're all about guns in uh, in foundation. Um, so we uh, had a somewhat uh, rambly, predictive uh, prequel to the finale of season two of uh, Foundation, and uh, we said some things, and some of them happened, and some of them sort of happened, and some of them didn't happen. Um, so do we want to just dive in and say what do we think of the finale and what do we think of where the show is at after season two? Yeah, that sounds great. And I'll just take this cue to go first. Um, I love an episode that takes place moments after the end of a banger episode. So when we start, well, I guess that's only half true. Like we start the foundation finale with a little flashback kind of explaining, um, how Harry was alive, but even that was just moments after Salvor and Gail, well, Salvor, realizing that Harry was alive. Um, and then, I mean, we even get to see, like, the crazed look on Day's face as he destroys Terminus again because no time has passed between these two episodes. And so I think that episode 209 and 210 feel like a two-part finale in a really great way yeah. because it's not like Apple TV was promoting a two-part finale. They just said here's these banger episodes. I know if you see the first one, you're going to watch the second one. I don't even need to tell you that it's, <laughs> that it's a two five finale. It's a really good point because, um, t- um, to start with a tangent, um, I've been listening to <laughs> the recap or, or rewatch uh, podcast for angel angel on top. Uh, and they've literally just hit the angel series finale. And it wasn't marketed as a two-part finale, but literally the the series finale picks up directly off the back of the previous leads, love basically, it. which is love to see it. You love to see it. And this was, yeah, very similar, just like roll straight in, a little bit of distraction, but yeah, pretty much a, a straight in. Um, and uh, yeah, it sets the scene, right? Like you're straight back in the action, like there's no setting up to go. Yeah, and like you said, like, we did predict some things. I feel really good about where this episode landed, both just in general because of how they tied up the season, how they set up the next season, and also how good we were at predicting some things that happened. And <laughs> I think the, the most exciting prediction, at least for me, is the prediction of Robo Harry, and I appreciate that it is not explicitly off the table. <laughs> Yeah, I, fe- I felt that was my biggest whiff, to be honest. Where I was like, uh, feels like he's a robot. Um, and then they're like, he's alive, but he was made alive by Gale. And I'm like, well, I'm happy for you, Harry, but I'm disappointed that my prediction well, and I was happy. necessarily right. Yeah, I was happy for me, too, because that did sort of play out. I mean, I was expecting it to be Tellum that was doing the, um, right. like the visual manipulations to everyone. Um I did say on our predictions episode that if this happened, it would kind of feel a little underhanded. 
I actually don't personally feel disappointed in the way this went. And I think it is because it was like Gail's machinations and not Tellum's. Um, how did you yeah. feel about that? Uh, yeah, I was fine with it. I think um, that ultimately Gail pays a price as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, that the uh, I, I, it's interesting how they're how they're centering her that character so much in the story and i think that having well we're just going to jump around on the episode now i think so but like having her survive effectively through to the next series but having salvor die which is both proof that she can change the future Mm -hmm. and a horrible tragedy because her daughter is dead um is to me for all the th- issues I have with the way that they've played the Salvor Hardin character compa- as an adaptation compared to the books, I think that they played it really nicely. I think they, you know, everything became Shades of Grey and Bittersweet. A- every single thing that happened in this episode, in this finale, was Shades of Grey. Like, there was no tri- triumph, there was no bitter defeat, but there was just everything in between, really. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um I love the scene with Gail and Harry talking about Salvor's death. Um he, you know, he's trying to I think gently enough remind her that there's no way to tell if an individual's actions are going to affect the plan or the math and I just thought that the performance um and i apologize because i don't remember the actor's name who plays gail but the performance of her saying like that her mind understands that but for her heart it's a different story like that's such a relatable concept i intellectually understand a lot of things that my and my feelings will not follow so i really liked that moment because even when someone is so hung up on you know, as Harry says, saving humanity. It's like these personal relationships and these personal interactions and the, the you know, one-to-one consequences of someone's action, like, do still matter to the person. I think it's nice in a show at this scale that they still take time to remind you, like, these are singular humans, even if they're living <laughs> through 300 years, <laughs> 450 years of timeline. Um, it doesn't change the fact that they still have personal feelings yeah yeah and that's that's the sort of criticism of harry throughout this season right is that he doesn't care about the individuals he's uh, he's so obsessed with the macro he ignores the impact on individuals and in that way does it make him any different from empire right from Mm -hmm. you know who doesn't care about the individuals either in uh, other than himself um, and certainly in terms of ego, whilst Harry is probably lower than than Empire, he's not that much lower <laughs> than Empire. I mean, he made a bunch of copies of himself. <laughs> like, <laughs> Empire just <laughs> was, like, born this way. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think that anything is going on with, like, the very specific... Um, Blonde Thomas and Mackenzie looking metallic 
Metallic child. Like, she seems like the de facto leader of the children, but I can't really put my finger on, like, why the episode was paying such close attention to her. I don't know if you have any ideas about that. They might be spoilery, although I would assume probably not because I don't think these characters are, like, one-to-one with the books, and maybe it's just something we'll have to wait and find out. But I'm like, you're giving a lot of screen time to this person whose name I don't even know if it isn't even a named character. Um so and there was like special attention if, paid to her during Salvor's funeral too. So I just wondered if you clocked that as well. Uh, if we weren't getting another hundred year time jump, I would be more yeah, like suspicious of any lingering camera camera move. But because we are getting that, and I guess and I guess that's also one of the reasons why Salvor had to die was like having keeping them both around. Like, Day and Empire have their reason to continue to be around in a hundred years' time. Harry has his because he's a vault creature. Giving more than one character um, this sort of, like, route to jump through the through the, the seasons would be a little bit much, I think. Um, so, yeah. So, no, I don't think she's... I don't think she's... Unless she shows up as an old person... <laughs> Um, yeah. in uh, in the next one, I don't think we're going to see that. Similar to how like Polly was a kid in um, uh, excuse me at the end of uh, season one, right? And then then he's sort of the older older statesman or older priest at the end of season two. So maybe maybe that's the role that kid will play mm-hmm. um, in season three. Um. Speaking of season three and like time jumps, I obviously understand why they end up having Gail and Harry have this conversation about how it it's overwhelming for Gail to imagine, you know, going into, you know, the cryosleep and, you know, doing these tasks by herself. It's overwhelming for her. Um, And she says, like, Harry's the only one up to the task if there's a confrontation with another Harry Seldon in a future crisis. That was something that was a little weird to me, for one. And for two, I just, this is, I think, the part of the episode that was the weakest for me because he is like, okay, great. I'll just stay with you. That's totally fine. And then they don't train any of the mentalics for the second foundation. And then they're being like worshiped by them. Like it just, it just is weird to me. Yeah. The, the cult of Harry Seldon in the second foundation is an interesting one. I kind of, I kind of get it in the first and then you also the seeds that they've laid of um left hand harry right like of harry in the vault becoming aware that there's another harry through it was through salvo right through salvo sort of like working out the quantum entanglement of the of the things yeah. uh, of the prime radiance um Meaning that he's now got knowledge that he wasn't supposed to have. Um, and then obviously you've got Demoiselle and Empire having uh, the Prime Radiant as well. I think is is nicely setting up season three for the conflicts between the plan and people who were supposed to be part of the plan 
being able to observe the plan and what does that mean? Mm-hmm. How do they try and try and change things? And can they change things? So I don't think I realized that we were supposed to be concerned about having a conflict with another Harry Seldon. Like having her say that and then have and then g- giving some thought to it. I understand why she thinks that it's just not exactly something that I thought the show was telling me before Mm. just that line reading and the way that this part in the episode was sort of presented and it's just like the script and the editing I think because the mule is obviously the mule is obviously played by a different actor but the way that this was all presented in the episode, I was like, am I supposed to wonder if the mule is this other Harry Seldon they're going to have a conflict with? Like, and I do think that maybe I'm just like overly reading into that, but I do also sort of think that that's what the episode was telling me, even if that's not what it meant to, t- to tell me. Um, I love that reading for a start. Um, that would be fa- again, like, to be clear, Harry Seldon is dead in the books at this point. There is no um, active Harry left Seldon. Left or right it, hand, like Harry. It, wow. Left they or, have none left and or we right have hand. two. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> um, but um, so what What they're trying... So I'm sort of reading them through like metaphors of some book knowledge of, of mm-hmm. the future. Mm-hmm. But... I, I would I they could well be setting up a, a sort of uh, a third Harry or maybe it's the first foundation Harry fighting against the Mentalics with a hundred year times time jump right like that's any of that could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I have suspicions that uh, I won't say because they're informed by book knowledge, <laughs> but um, uh, but uh, yeah, that 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 absolutely could could be an adaptation choice. Be fascinating if they did it. Yeah, I mean, I was also surprised. I mean, it's I love that they just called their shot and they're like, yeah, here's a time jump, 152 years later, and then it's just this scene of the mule. I was sort of found. I was sort of surprised to find out that the mule seems like a somewhat unwell person, um, and he almost seems like he might be. Um, it just seemed like whoever he was talking to, it's not like a happy relationship between him and mm-hmm. whoever was on the other side of the camera, the camera. Um, but I was surprised to find out that his, his mission is specifically a vendetta against Gail. Like, I don't know what I thought his fight was going to be, but I definitely didn't think it was going to be, I have to find Gail Dornick. I must destroy her. Because now this is just like so a self-fulfilling prophecy thing because she knows she has to find and destroy him because he was supposed to kill her daughter, like yada yada. Yeah, so I think this is causal loop shit. Okay. Right? <laughs> I think this is, I think this is like he wants to destroy her because she projected herself forward in time mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. made a connection with him because they're both mentalics and therefore that that in his recent past... He had that interaction with a far further past Gale. And so, and Gale projecting herself forward became, meant that she then had to, you know, actually put herself in cryosleep for 100 years or 150 years so that she could uh, be there to, to face um, the real. Th- or again, none of this is in the books. 
but mm-hmm. um, I mean the characters are in the books, but not not in any way the same same way. Um, so yeah, I think it's his causal. I think he only wants to destroy Gale because he became aware of her projecting forward, and therefore he sees her as a threat. Talk and... about an individual's actions. Mm-hmm. If it isn't <laughs> left hand Harry sewing, right hand <laughs> Harry. <laughs> What is this reaping? What is this bullshit? <laughs> so, yeah, I think I'm fascinated to see how the mule plays out um, in the next season. I think, um, and I think what we've got as a really interesting thing next season is a three-way. Um, we love a three-way. Uh, um, but rather than it just being foundation and empire, we now have foundation potentially potentially there's a four-way right potentially it's foundation second foundation empire and the mule mm-hmm. and um be very interesting to see the power plays that come in for that so we have a lot to talk about when it comes to the first foundation and like all the characters that are involved with that by the end of the episode but just talking about left-hand harry and the first foundation um for one i have a very pressing question which is the folks that he sucked up into the vault, saving them miraculously. Do they have real bodies or are they now also holograms? Uh, good question. What do you uh, think? Again, none, none of this happens in the books. Um, I think they're real bodies. I yeah, think Ben thinks the they're real bodies spaceship. too, but I just don't understand like where they're getting enough food, where the sunlight's coming from, where are they using the bathroom, like where are they getting the water? I just... it is a lot for me to take in. <laughs> uh, your where are the bathrooms on the Enterprise question is is well founded. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, it's got infinite space. I, is what that I is what they tell me. It boggles the mind. No, so um, it's... Maybe it's a matrix situation and their bodies are there and they're all plugged in Ooh, and they're maybe. being fed through tubes. I do, yeah. And when I was, I was really stuck on this the first time I watched the episode through and Ben was like, but Constance's father is there and like he's still injured. So obviously his body is real. And I was like, okay, so somebody somewhere knew that I was going to be like this. <laughs> they made sure to show me that this man was still injured. I just need to see the bathroom. <laughs> like, do they have like a little potato garden in there? Like a window anywhere? I must know. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Going very Martian on this rather than, yeah. well. <laughs> and so apparently... Um, we do not think that the first foundation, the vault foundation is going to join forces with the second foundation and become the singular foundation. So we think that they're going to continue to be factioned because the Harry's can't know what each other are doing or left hand can't know what right hand is doing. Yeah. I think that's, I think left hand not being able to know what right hand is doing is the only thing we've been told so far so other than there was an intention for a first foundation and a second foundation uh what the what the future um combination or otherwise of those two was intended to be um we do not know at this point i did love 
I mean, it was so emotional, constant, being saved. She was just running out of air. She sees Polly. We know he was saved. She sees Harry. He looks exactly like these people who have real bodies, apparently, but he's a hologram. I don't know. Um, and then I loved that they obviously were like, okay, surprise party rules. Like she's going to show up and I'm going to do my little intro and then you all need to come out of the little vault, like crevice, just or single just file loom. and just show your, <laughs> really, <laughs> really loom. Why yeah. there's many levels on this vault. You can just loom. In my notes, I wrote. You know, the vault is larger than it looks and provides everyone within yep. a deep, dramatic feeling. They just have to be theatrical all the time now. Like, these are the rules for living in the vault. <laughs> Did you not see the sign next to the toilets, which was, uh, this is for messy bitches who <laughs> love the drama? I haven't seen one evidence of any toilet. Um... Yeah, another thing that... So I re-listened to our predictions episode, which is why I have all these fun facts oh. to co- to do callbacks. I, I'm, yeah. I did not, so um, I don't remember. What so in the episode, um, you predict that Belrios dies. And I'm like, oh, that's so sad. But at least he can be back with his husband. And then when I was rewatching the episode after re-listening and I saw his little face, I was like, it's so sad. My God. <laughs> they continue. The hits continue with the empirical husbands. It is just so sad. So I just hope that Constance and Glewin are, and I know his name now. I mean, it is yeah. a permanent fixture in my mind now. But I hope that Constance and Glewin can be nice friends for each other since their boyfriends are the only ones that died i mean not the only but <laughs> uh yeah i was surprised to see glow in there as well but i was like oh i'm glad he's alive and then i was like oh no and it's like conceivably, uh, but yeah we'll never see these characters again because who knows if you can if you have a regular body, you can't live for the next 150-some years, so. No, but um, I think we're probably... Basically, I think the the vault is like TARDIS rules, right? Like, I think it's like time and space are all okay. higgledy-piggledy. Okay. And therefore, uh, therefore, I think there's a chance uh, that we see... Uh, Constant and um, and Glawin in the next uh, season. Well, I would really like that. Yeah. Yeah. The tragic, the tragic lost partners. I know. But they got to like really, really fight day, and it was awesome. I loved it. Well, also, like, she had sex, so someone had to die. <laughs> At least it was the boy for once. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like that before that was fun, she, though. like, leaves him forever, she does one more little joke on him and then tells him that her name is Hope. And he's like, are you for real? And she's like, no, you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> But also, like the the nice callback of the castling maneuver was was I thought yes. really well done. Yes, 
And then we get like an incredible visual of Day just dead. His snot has turned into icicles. I mean, the man looks a wreck and he's just floating, (laughs) um, you know, above the planet that he destroyed. And it's like that visual is even better the second time because it's like, yeah, you and your dead planet and all those people you think you killed, you didn't. You accomplished nothing except for getting thrown out of an airlock. Good job. Um, yeah, and we're going to get another reset, right? Because basically, Day's dead. Uh, I can't remember what happens to Dawn. Dawn gets... He escapes with Sarah. Oh, no, he escaped. Him and Seth, yeah, escaped. Demerzel's like, I'm going to hunt you down. I'm going to hunt you down. And I really feel like Sarah and Dawn give her a really sufficient loophole and I hope she takes it. And I honestly hope we never hear from those characters again. And I can just believe I, I did chuckle a little bit and I'm sorry that I'm like this, but it's so convenient that Sarah got pregnant just like after that one time. I so convenient. Well, you know, Um, he's, but I hope they just get to live, live out their life. With their cute child who doesn't need to lead. He just needs to be loved. I mean, it's very precious. <laughs> uh, yeah, we shall see. Um, I think um, I think the thing with Demozel is always it's about, it's about the programming, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not about want. It's about mm-hmm. programming. So um, I agree that, that the... The sort of logical way that Dawn argues this is similar to what we see in some of the robot books, right? In terms of like, how do you loop around the the different laws and and the commands? So we shall see. Um, I think Dusk uh, being stuck in the prison. Uh, Sorry, buddy. I think you will die. He, um, He seems very at peace with what's happening. Yeah, it's true. Um, I believe that it's him that says, uh, like, we were dead the second we walked in here. So there's really nothing, you know, there's nothing else for it. Um, I sometimes when you're watching TV and they do a reveal and then they do a quick flashback to explain it. I'm like, we get it. I'm also watching the show. However, I'm very happy that they explained to us what that green paint meant because if they would have just left it, I would have had to yeah. have been on this podcast being like, I'm missing yeah. it. <laughs> well, no, I think they they had to do it. It was too subtle mm-hmm. otherwise. And I yeah, really... It was a very nice touch. I reread some of my earlier season notes as well before we um, started recording. And I had written, like, I simply don't care about, like, the personal trials and tribulations of Dusk and Dawn. Like, who cares? But I did love seeing them running around being buddies. And so I'm glad that them running around being buddies had, like, a tangible effect on the events of this finale. Yeah. And I think think the, um, the use of the green paint was was pleasingly yeah. subtle and nicely executed yeah. yeah yeah um but yes other than that we're just going to get three new ones decanted presumably they look very rough when they come out of those tubes i mean it obviously like day needs a haircut they're shivery they're like hunched over 
still got goo on them. Like, you don't think you want to start showing them, um, like, history-changing devices you got from your, you know, known enemy? Like, don't, can't they get, like, a shower and, like, a robe? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when I travel, I need to have a shower when I'm done. So, yeah, like, if I had to be decanted they from goop, I think I would definitely like want a shower. They were literally born, like, 15 seconds ago. Can they get a break? That's mm, true. Um, yeah, I really it's wonder true. if, because it does seem like that there is potential for these, um, oh, and she called them something and I can't remember the word she used, but these components of empire, um, when they're decanted, it seems like when they're born. Cause she says she remembers dusk at one year old, but is she talking about that specific one or is she talking about Cleon the first i don't know it's very confusing mm. but when they're born she raises them and sometimes they're cool and sometimes they suck and it just depends on whatever else she's got going on at the time so i'm wondering if now that what <laughs> she has going on at the time is like an existential crisis for empire existential crisis for her mm. due to her programming if she'll even bother with them having a personality, I mean, I kind of assume because you do want Lee Pace on TV doing things. But if I'm Demerzel, yes. I'm like, I'm giving you the bare bones. The only sentences you're even going to think about saying are the ones we have to put you on TV to like tell the people. So you're puppet mastering Lee Pace is what we're saying. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, let's not worry too much about where the hand goes. But um, I think, um, I think. So to me, like the difference here is, I don't think we can attribute that type of uh, personality to Demazel because okay. I don't think she has it. I think because she's a robot, she doesn't care. She's not petty. She's not um thinking in those ways i think what what we have is effectively her it's 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 a self-destructive cycle because of what uh cleon the first did to her the restrictions he put on her with the the must obey him and and then because of his choice to create this um split version of himself it's just always going to be diminishing returns because mm -hmm. she can't break outside of that. And the three that follow as they keep following through can never go back to what he was. And we saw that with like, what are the sizes of their memory files or whatever, right? Like they're, they will be affected by the events of the galaxy and, and what's going on. And they will sort of vary differently. Like that's their environmental factors. But they're only ever going to diminish they can never be bigger they can never be greater than cleon the first they're only ever going to diminish and the one that follows will only ever be as as much as the one that preceded it can only be less and demoiselle can't do anything to stop that because of the way she's restricted but she is allowed so, to like pick and choose what memories they get I think it when I'm I'm just having a hard time like she pulls out this like old man this dusk and he's supposed to be like maybe the wise one he already had his time ruling and now he mm. is the um like no I don't think it's like that okay I I think it's like he's just been in the tube longer 
Like, I don't think he was a ruler. I think he just, like... Oh, see, okay, so, so I think th- this is this is kind of what I'm, I'm getting at, which is that, like, this is <clears throat> the, like, the Dusk that had, like, had his time in the, in the ruler section of Empire is the one that we saw die with Rue. He had all these lived experiences mm. because he had been day at one time. So I just, it's hard for me to imagine yeah. next season when we have these fresh decanted portions of Empire that, like, like how can they? I, I think it, I don't understand how they're going to be able to pull this off because these people have no personality like the new dawn day and dusk they have no lived experiences so it's just going to be picked memories for them and i just yeah. i have i don't know it's it's obviously because i have no lived experience for like hopping into the world as a 57 year old man or whatever <laughs> like it's hard to like divorce uh, looking sure like an fun. adult from like having life experience and this man is going to yeah. have some but it's like what's Demerzel going to choose to show him because if she gives them a full personality you might end up with Day who wants to get married again. <laughs> yeah, but equally I think I think it has to diminish. I think that's but that's the point yeah. of Empire. Like that's the that's also like the thing that Harry was trying to convince her about was like, this isn't, this isn't anything to do. Like empire is not an individual that can influence the course of history. Mm -hmm. He's Mm -hmm. not exceptional enough. And therefore, um, all you are, all you're playing with effectively is the, is, is pawns kind of, Mm -hmm. Like Demoiselle is is trying to play a game, but Harry's, or I sh- should say, psycho history is is the board, and um, there are certain creatures like Mentalics and the Mule, I guess, which can can influence the direction of that. But uh, but Empire is not one of them. He's not a Mentalic, and he's nothing particularly special. Maybe Demoiselle is one. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, but, but because she's restricted, she's not as effective, a an influencer. So I, I don't know. I think, um, I think you're right in that they, they will be lesser, but equally you want Lee Pace to be doing <laughs> emotional megalomaniacal things. So <laughs> who knows? Maybe they'll just go the completely opposite direction and this is just going to be like the saddest day we've ever had and it's just going to be Lee Pace being like emo boy for 10 episodes. Yeah, it doesn't seem like fun television <laughs> to me. We'll be, it'll be interesting. Uh, like it's it's been easy to see in these first two seasons the Empire versus Foundation. Mm-hmm dichotomy and so i think the next season where we start to get more complex factions um will be and i guess in the first season you got a bit of like the other um the other outer rim sort of territories versus foundation as well what whatever the huntress country was called and constance's homeland as well but yeah i think i think it's going to be really interesting to see multi-faction in um in next season 
Yeah, and also it's hard for me to keep in context that it's going to be 150 years from now. So, like, potentially the Empire components we just saw won't even be the ones that. Yeah, uh, almost certainly yeah. not, right? Like, similar to they weren't this mm-hmm. time, right? So, um, which is why it's so distracting when you're like, wait, but they're the same actors. Okay, which one was which? Okay, all right, none of them are the same, right? <laughs> Fine. Yeah. And really, it's just like the Lee pace that gives me pause, because if it wasn't such a charismatic and like good looking actor who you definitely want to be on your TV show doing a lot, I would say like maybe Dawn, Day and Dusk just are not going to matter going forward because they are not an outlier. But maybe Demerzel is and we know she's the forever empress yet. So it's like if they're just in the background and she's in the forefront of all the plot that's happening on Trantor going forward, I think that that would track for the story, but not necessarily the production. (laughs) I think if Lee Pace were playing Demerzel and the actor playing Demerzel was playing dawn or day then i think you you would feel like they have less plot armor but um i think that being played by lee pace is is a reasonable guarantee that you're going to make it through at least next season Mm -hmm. um Um, and i don't know how long it's going to go for laura Byrne, who's playing demerzel though is like extremely extremely talented so i i mean you would obviously have to be to act so often and successfully against lee pace but just like official shout out (laughs) no uh, not intended at all as a comment on frankly anyone's acting talent more just on the like one of these is a is a star yeah it definitely seems like having like pace like i wouldn't be surprised if having like pace in the show is like part of how the show got made in the first place (laughs) look at this face we have to Uh, (laughs) well absolutely um and he plays a good villain as Mm -hmm. well like and a good even a even a villain who like i'll go back to halt and catch fire now like but like a villain but sort of gray and a little bit conflict and do you like him a bit and how does that work out so yeah he's very very good uh okay so the only other sort of notes i've got are like do we have any speculation about um how right hand harry got his body back i mean other than me suggesting that he's a robot last week which is very unproven now. I still think that he could be a robot. Um, it does seem like if he has a real body and it's like a cloned body somehow, um, the person who made a cloned body and then put him back in it seems like they might be an outlier. <laughs> Like, maybe we need to go back to their cave and talk to them more because they seem to have powers that Harry was not counting on. I didn't necessarily mean magical powers, but maybe. (laughs) Hmm. Well, Cave Lady, like, showed up as someone that was known but wasn't them and didn't show up on any, any scanners even though... And Harry didn't show up on scanners until he was put in this Mm -hmm. body. So, Yeah. There's definitely a lot of um, uh, the. I have potential guesses based on future book knowledge, but yeah. 
Well, Demers they de- I don't think they've given us any sp- anything warm like a human. Um, yeah. And s- I, d- I, d- I do wonder if, like, because Harry went into, like, a cryo sleep chamber, if that kind of means that he's not a robot because, like, wouldn't it just be a little off switch situation? But maybe this robot body he's in is so sophisticated as to have every function of the human body and to be undetectable as not a non-human. Yeah, and I guess that also goes to, like, what do the three? How do the three laws of robotics apply if you don't know you're a robot? Because Ooh, he beats question. the shit out of people. So, like, if he were a robot, would he be able to do that? In fact, that's one of the um, one of the robot stories is is a is a character to prove that they're not a robot punches someone else, <laughs> and then there's a coda where it's like, does he really? Is it another robot? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> nice, nicely played. But so, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think he could still be a robot. Um, he could not be. Do we think it's going to else. matter? Like how Harry got his body back. If he's not also a robot, um, will it, will we I ever think know? The, <laughs> I think the lady in the cave matters and I think that is we might see them again next season but if there's a season four and or five I think that that's where I suspect that we're we're then investigating okay so to 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 round up a little bit if I look at the first season of the show it followed reasonably with a lot of adaptation the first book which is called foundation which has like four short stories in it and then the second one is called foundation and empire and this has been very much the theme of the second uh season of the show is the interaction between foundation and empire and then the sort of the final um sort of choices of bell rioche uh r.i.p um and um i think so the third book is called second foundation so uh we didn't really know about the second foundation in the second book so i think um they've seeded some of that earlier in the show um and then we'll get to see and then obviously they seeded stuff like the mule which you had no idea about in mm. um in the second book so it'll be very interesting to see see how they play out first foundation second foundation mule empire next season yeah i'm excited i'm very highly anticipating that third season renewal notice apple tv let's go yeah the writers guild strike is uh i think as of like today potentially over so yeah let's get going that'd be great cool all right is there anything else you want to talk about about the show Anything um, else stick out? We haven't. We we've been relatively like unlostful, which is outside of our normal characters. But I know. But my boyfriend Hober died, so I'm trying to be respectful. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I did find it very exciting to find out that he'd been an inside man for the spacers the whole time. Um, I loved her saying like. The suicide of these pilots is like a small price to pay for the freedom of, 
you know, our entire people. So that was great. And Constance saying, you know, you could have told a person. <laughs> I just loved them. I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy for Constance. She was great. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I liked. Yeah, I, I thought they, without being as bombastic as the as episode nine, which had like, you know how Game of Thrones used to like have their big fights mm-hmm. on episode nine. I thought that was somewhat similar this one. It wasn't as bombastic as that, but it was um it was deftly executed. Lots of things were nicely done without without making you go ugh. It like things like the demoiselle yeah. like the 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 notification of the demoiselle betrayal and the way that they they revealed the Hoba and Spacer stuff I thought was yeah, yeah, and the callback with the little switch places tech gadget um yeah yeah i thought that this the writing in this season um despite being like in of epic scale it was very tight um yeah even the stuff that like i ultimately didn't care that much about like at a certain point i did not really care that someone tried to assassinate day and i was not really concerned with finding out like who it was and why but we still get to yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, the uh, was the blind angels, wasn't it? Like, I, I think if yeah, it it was still, it was a f- a weird but fun way to open the season mm-hmm. because we got nakedly to see nakedly pace fight. Uh, <laughs> fight, right? Good, yeah, front load the season, get people. I oh, you on thought the you prize. weren't gonna watch Foundation um, this season? You are, because look at these gifts yeah, yeah. that are now populating um, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um. It, yeah, it was it was quite Juney that um, uh, that scene. I thought, um, and I think we've had uh, quite a bit of Dune last season and this season. We've had quite a bit of Star Wars. Um, I think particularly in Episode Nine this season as well. So, um, but I agree. I think it's been much tighter. I think the writing has been better. I think the adaptation choices have been smart. Um, so I I will now go off on, on my very brief tangent, short rant about the one adaptation choice I really don't Ooh. like, uh, which, so I suspect you, you don't even recognize it because it, uh, why would you? So the character of Salvor Harden in the books is um, the mayor of uh, Terminus, basically. And he's effectively outmaneuvering, looking to outmaneuver the people who run the encyclopedia, so like the director of the institute, and also like put them in a place where they're not uh, destroyed by um, the other powers on the on the rim. Um, so the other two civilizations, they end up sort of fighting. And uh, his entire ethos is summed up in one line, which uh, they have mentioned in both seasons of the show. Uh, which is violence is the last refuge of the incompetent and um it is fundamental to the character this alvor hardin does not have that as a fundamental part of of her character at all she runs around with guns she beats people the shit up even when she says violence is the last refuge of the incompetent they then have things like harry beating the crap out of uh, someone or or whatever else so my frustration is that 
you ditched that ethos. You sort of pay lip service, but then completely run contrary to it. Now, I'm not saying that ethos is necessarily even right. And I'm not saying that it's of modern times. And I think it would have been interesting to engage with it because she mentions it as something that her father said or she mentions it as something that that was previously said i think it would be interesting to engage with that concept of violence being the last refuge of the incompetent and say why it's out of date or why it's inappropriate or where it doesn't work anymore um and where violence and uh, you know resistance is critical but they don't engage with it. They just pay lip service to it and then deny it as a core characteristic of a of a character. Um, and that is my very two to three minute rant of why that that choice frustrates me. I would have I would have been into it if they'd engaged with it. I'd have been into it if they made it part of the character, but they kind of don't, and then they kind of are a bit winky and noddy and cheap about it. It is so not a part of the Salvor Hardin character we get into the show that, like, in this finale, she stabs a kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not her character And it's, like, it's not enough close and personal stabbing, to be fair, but, like, her knife does penetrate a child. And I do regret the phrasing of that. <laughs> well... I'm going to clip it and put it out on its way. Yeah, yeah, but I did love that little kid. Um, Shout out that tiny kid. He was such a sweet boy and like really was down for the cause. He was like, Gail, I got to tell you, like things are not correct for me. And he, you know, he tried his best. And then he he even sits there and he says, like, tell Gil I'm sorry, which is just so sweet. Like, you're a kid. None of this should be on you. And he's saying that he can feel tell him, like, fighting not to die and, like, how scared she is. And he says, but I'm not. What a brave kid. I love him. Yep. <laughs> brave little kid. Sometimes a brave little kid's got to die. But anyway. Rough. <laughs> doesn't doesn't mesh children die with violence day. is the last I can't refuge. even remember what show that was from <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh, as i said like i don't mind uh, i would i would have loved the show to engage with that concept and and engage with why it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. work rather mm-hmm. than just fully discard it and make the character effectively just basically steal the name of the character and apply it to a mm-hmm. completely different character. And I I am not a purist. I 100% am in favour of adaptation choices and you absolutely have to to make this work, show work. And some of them have been brilliant. Like the all of the Empire stuff is great. Um, that's just the one, like, the one grain of sand that really sticks in my, my shoe. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, like, it would have been very easy to just name this character something else, especially if, like, Gail didn't have a daughter in this way in the book. Um, and it just seems like they gave the character that name for book readers to point at. And that only works if you're pulling something thematic also from the book. 
Or it's something so totally different yeah. that it's like, well, thank you for giving me my name. And this is like a complete other thing. But it seems like it wasn't necessarily a complete other thing. And like, that's the issue. Yeah, I, I mean, I also think in the first season, I would say that both Gail and Salvor are notably weaker actors than um, Jared Harris and mm-hmm. Lee Pace and, and so many of the others uh, around them which doesn't do them a lot of favors. Gail is burdened by having to do the portentous monologues over the credits from time to time. I have uh, absolutely seen which I don't think does the I... first season of the show. What happened in it? Yeah. The guy from Harry Potter and how to get away with murder died. That's what happened. Like that's it in my mind. I don't know. <laughs> um yeah, it's um I think, I I think it, it, it's a reasonable to wrap up on on that point now. Like, I don't want to be down on this season because I really liked mm-hmm. the season. I think mm-hmm. it was a notable improvement on the first season. I think it. Um, I think whilst the first season in the lat- second half got going, I think pretty much from from naked Lee Pace fight onwards, this season has uh, has had it going on. Um, and I think I'm really excited to see how they pull off um, the the next uh, the next season as well, and, and where they set us up to go. From I there. totally agree. Um, when the hype train started rolling for Foundation season two, when I asked you if you were going to be covering the show on the Asimov cast, it was not a pitch to get on the show. However. <laughs> <laughs> This has been so fun, and I know that I'm engaging with this show much deeper just by virtue of doing these episodes with you. So thank you for the opportunity to come and chat with you. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. And I think we can, when we get uh, potential trailers or news, we can pull some emergency podcast beacons and um, and see what we can do for Sounds the next fabulous. Season. Although I'm not committing to a week by week for a <laughs> recap podcast. I think that's fine. And I suspect you are Well, <laughs> that is my favorite kind of content. So I try to stay like open to creating it because I want other people to create it also. It is a lot of work, though. I'm not going to lie. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's see how we're doing. <laughs> uh, let's see how. Uh, <laughs> let's see. It's, I don't know, it's 10 episodes. It's not the end of the world, but uh, we'll uh, we'll see where we are. If, and when if they, the show yeah, airs in the free, summer again, again, it's like it's over. There's outside to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, awesome. Okay, anything else you want to say? Any final closing thoughts? Any RIPs to do? Um, yes, I mean, one more for Bell Rios and Hover Mallow. Um, I literally had tingles and chills whenever M- or Day tries to get um bell to go after the rest of the foundation planets and he just looks him dead ass in the face and just says no feel it so deeply i loved it um yeah oh yeah and uh, like day just fundamentally misunderstanding this man and fundamentally misunderstanding like any man with principle any person with principles because Mm. bell's like i destroyed terminus so that we would not have to do any more of this. The rest of Foundation is like not going to mm. fight you. 
And Day's like, no, you did it because I told you to. And it's like, you do not get this person. <laughs> you do not understand this person at all. And this fundamental misunderstanding of like a person with principles like literally gets you thrown out of an airlock. I could just talk about it all day. It's fabulous. But yeah, that's it. Um, okay. Very brief <laughs> brief on that then. But isn't that why Demoiselle picked Belle Rioche then? Because she knew that he was someone who could and would actually stand And I had, him. I did have that thought Um I'm not, I understand, Demerzel has told us multiple times that she's not working against Empire. She cannot work against Empire. But self-sabotage is a thing that most people do not consciously realize that they are doing. And so I know she did choose Belrios because he would oppose Day. And I think that like subconsciously somewhere in there, this is a person who could bring about the end of Empire. And it didn't exactly get there. But I still think that there's maybe some hope for my deepest desire, which is like at the end of all of this empire is gone and Demerzel is free. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I said this in the, in the initial one, which was my hope is that the point of the show is about the ability of people mm-hmm. to choose mm-hmm. and the ability to have autonomy and agency. And that, Demoiselle had that once and it was taken from her uh, and that the resolution will not be the removal of the chip mm-hmm. because that would imply that the chip could be put back again mm-hmm. but a way of evolving her programming mm-hmm. in such a way that transcends the chip um, so in in a ways in the same ways that the zeroth law transcends the first law in the way that like she could fail at keeping empire together and then well so in more in the sense of it becoming a a link a linguistic challenge right or or a or a definition challenge so the zeroth law transcends the first law because it goes from uh do not allow a man or to harm to come to a man or or by an action allow and it is transcended by the zeroth law to say do not allow harm to come to humanity or by an action Mm -hmm. allow or do not harm humanity or or by an action allow so if empire is described as a man then you can't allow harm to come to the man if empire is actually a metaphor for humanity then you're you have to allow harm not to come to humanity by not allowing the continuation of the emperor mm-hmm. in in his form. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, that may be nowhere near where they're going. It's incredible it, like, that, like, watching a show just about Demerzel, like, navigating her very hamstrung and complicated existence would be a great show. And we also have, like, all this other yeah. stuff going on. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like... if. You like you could. So this is like this is not a book spoiler, but when Asimov wrote Foundation, they were it was completely separate from the his robot books. They were not in the same universe, and he over decades basically stitched them. That's together. incredible. Uh, yeah, and so what we have in this show is a culmination of 
some of his stitching and then adaptation from a from a modern lens so i uh, uh, yeah i'm really interested and, and i first half of the first season of foundation i was like i really hate the Salvador harden thing i don't know where this mm-hmm. is going i likely pace but i'm not into it and i'm now like okay you guys got me i'm really <laughs> super interested in to see how this plays out yeah me too so we're back saying season three give it to us we want to keep talking about Foundation, yes, and we have exhausted season two. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Um, you can find me at Lozymandius on Blue Sky. You can find the podcast on Blue Sky Twitter and Instagram at AsimovCast. The theme music is courtesy of Alexei Chistillon from Pixabay. Please email your thoughts, what inspires you, and where you find joy in Asimov and Foundation to AsimovCast at gmail.com. Melissa. Where can people find you? You can find me on Blue Sky and Letterboxd at Mellow Yellow. And I occasionally do a podcast called Wild Pretty Things. We have a robust backlog over on Patreon if you want to throw us a dollar to listen to all that good stuff. Um, Lazzie and I do a True Blood Rewatch podcast. We're in the back half of season one. <laughs> um, it is a horny chaotic podcast. It's a horny chaotic HBO TV show. Um, you can check that out at Bang Bangers Podcast with a Z because I'm on the Englishman's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so I initially recorded these the other way around, but because of TV, basically. Uh, I'm now going to schedule a couple of episodes shortly on themes of robots throughout science fiction with our friend Tessa. Uh, And then in a little bit of time after that, I'll be back with the books covering the first two seasons of Foundation as well. Go now. Do not harm humanity or by inaction. Allow humanity to come to harm.